Welcome to the Scale Without Burnout podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Silito. This podcast is a result of my purpose to help ambitious business owners like you avoid stress, overwhelm, and burnout in the workplace. In this podcast, I share everything I've learned about how to grow a profitable business, stay fit and healthy, maintain strong relationships, and develop the right mindset for success. So you can thrive, feel inspired, and work at your full potential. You're telling us you turned 50, anyone that is watching this, and if you're listening to this, you've not met Daryl, <laughs> you know, just check him out and check out his TED, TEDx talk, because it's amazing. Um, so you, you, you were born in 1970. Yes. Right? You, so you grew up in the 70s and 80s, as you mentioned earlier, as a sort of Gen Xer. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit what it was like growing up? Because obviously right now, with everything going on in the world, the Black Lives Matter movement, and I know you've mm. been vocal, and um, I've been watching you on on, uh, on Instagram talking about that, and it's been really insightful. Um, I'd like to spend a little bit of time talking about that and mm. what your experience was growing up. And, but also, you know, I think it has forced an agenda. It's different this time, and it's, it's made organizations and businesses think differently about mm. their own biases, you know, that, mm. that we have, you know, and how they interview, uh, you know, potential candidates and so on. Um, there are a few things in there that I'd like to just kind of explore with you. Can you just tell us, growing up in London, you know, your experience and then and anything, any sort of insights you'd like to share around what you think is happening in the world at the moment? Yeah, so I mean, I suppose, you know, given that I'm 50 years old, the 70s was a long time ago, you know, was a, was a, lot, was a long time ago to, to some of your listeners or probably didn't, you know, if you were, they were born way after the 70s. But I think certainly in the 70s, um, I was brought up in a very multicultural environment. I I wasn't aware, I suppose I wasn't really aware of of differences, of, of kind of cultural differences. You know, I knew I knew my parents were Jamaican, I knew we listened to reggae and you know and, and had jerk chicken. And I knew there were certain things that were different to some of my neighbours, you know, the Irish families or those from, you know, the Cypriots or the, the those from mm-hmm. India or Bangladesh or or, or or the English, but yeah, so I knew there were certain differences, but certainly I just felt like another human being. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it was when I went to, uh, and certainly at, at nursery school, you know, again exactly the, exactly the same same sort of sense of, of of belonging as a human. But when I went to primary school, you know, sort of six five six years old, I do remember. You know, another kid saying, you know, a, a racial slur, and I'm kind of like, what was that? What does that mean? But I, I know it's not. I obviously know, consents that it's it's not it's it's not good. Uh, um, and I went, said to my parents, you know, came home, and I was like, you know, mom, dad, what you know, this happened today, and they were like, yeah, son, this is what happens, and this is what's going to happen. It's going to continue to happen. And and we're not always going to be there to to sort of to, to help you navigate this. But here are some realities that you need to be aware of. This is your history. Let's te- teach you about this. Um, and I went to Saturday school that 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 focused on a lot of a lot of history on of for people like my, like myself. So I, I I was able to to tap into a lot of this heritage, which I certainly wasn't getting taught at school. I had no no idea about. And as I got older, um, 
you know, getting to secondary school, which, which, uh, which was a grammar school for me. So I went to grammar school where that diversity didn't exist that I had at junior school, didn't exist in, in, in senior school. So I was one of a handful of, of uh, kids of my heritage. It's probably about seven or, seven or eight kids in a school year that were, non, that were non-white. And, mm-hmm. and I got bullied on day one. No, day one, no bullying because it was only the first year. <laughs> the first right. year kids went to school. Day two, the rest of the kids came. And I remember on day two being bullied by a sixth former, you know, so 16, 17-year-old kid who bullied me because, because of my colour of my skin and basically told me every single day you're at school, from now on, I'm going to make your life, I'm going to make your life hell. And as an 11-year-old kid, he, you know, this person towering over me, who I couldn't do any, couldn't say anything, couldn't do anything apart from being fear, um, you know, told not to tell. If you tell the teachers, you know, don't think, don't think that's going to help you out. And I remember thinking to myself, is, oh, you know, if my dad was here, you know, I can't wait to go home and tell dad and dad's going to come and sort these out. <laughs> and, and, you know, I went home and, and my parents said, did you tell the teachers? And I went, yeah, I did. I did actually speak to, to one of the teachers. What did they do? Oh, they kind of said there isn't really much they can do. Just let us know if it happens again. Let us know if it happens again. And that, that kept on happening. Let us know if it happens again. Yeah, but it, it's, you know, it's happening. I'm being bullied. Let us know if it happens again. And my parents said, we, we, you know, you're going to have to find a way of dealing with this because it's going to continue to happen. And it, and, and it, and it did, unfortunately. Uh, um, and so that was a net, another, again, exposure again to, to this sort of hate for no other reason than, again, the color of my skin, no other reason. Um, once I left school, I remember thinking to myself, well, I reckon, th- you know, things will get better. It's not as bad as when my parents were young, when my grandparents came here. It's not as bad as that. So things are certainly better. Let's be more positive about this. And as I started to get into the work, you know, left university and started working, I remember feeling things are certainly going to get better now. You know, I had these qualifications. I, I, I did really extremely well. I can do whatever I want. I can achieve whatever I want. That's what my parents told me. You work hard, get the education. You can do whatever you want. Fortunately, doors were slammed in my face, left, right, and center. And, and whenever I've, I've spoken about this, people often say, well, yeah, Dal, you know, lots of people really struggle when they're starting their career. It's hard, you know, hundreds of applications, lots of CVs, you rewrite CVs, and you don't have enough experience, you're overqualified, underqualified, you know, all of those type of responses, that happens. And I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that not all of my job interviews uh, were, you know, I was rejected because of the color of my skin. But I certainly know the ones where, where it was problematic. So, for example, where I had telephone interviews and lengthy telephone interviews, hours and hours, and then told, you have the job. I mean, oh, my goodness, you're incredible. Your CV is incredible. Your work experience is amazing. You know, when can you start? Oh, I can start in a week or two. No, no, actually, Daryl, could you start today? Could you come in, you know, like Wednesday afternoon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know it's a Wednesday. Like, please, we need you now. Okay, fine. Get to the office, you know, to, uh, tell them, oh, I'm here for, I've been, can I speak to John Smith? I've got, I'm here for this job. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's, oh, um, okay. Um, right, let me just, you know, check. 
called John Smith. You know, I remember this one occasion that the, the receptionist went to to see John Smith, and I could see, I could kind of see at a distance the conversation, and he kind of like gestured, you know, sort of like he just did this, like get tell him to leave, you know, something. It was something along those lines. And mm. so she came back and she's like, oh, I, I think there's been some misunderstanding, you know, um, there's no, no job here. Um, you know, John Smith, you must have the wrong name, you know, <laughs> like, and mm. I was like, no, 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 look, I, I, I spoke to someone this morning, blah, 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 it was John Smith, you know. So anyway, I got to see John Smith. I remember walking into the office, everyone was on their computers, you know, working away. And as soon as I walked into the office, everyone just literally stopped, like looked around as if I had five heads or something walking in, dirty silence, you know, very uncomfortable. I then go into this interview room. In 25 minutes, probably one sentence was mentioned in that entire <laughs> 20 minutes, 25 minutes. You know, he was just kind of looking at me and sort of tutting and shaking his head. And, you know, and he said, oh, Darrell, I just don't think you, I just don't really think you're gonna, you're gonna fit in here. And I'm like, you know, why not? Well, you know, so of course he didn't, he didn't say anything overtly racist. He didn't say, we're not going to employ you because you're black, but it was obvious, blatantly obvious as to why. And when I asked him, I was like, you know, I will challenge him. I will say like, just explain to me why after our great conversation this morning, where you offered me the job, where you asked me to come in today, even though it wasn't convenient for me to do so, to start work right away. Why are you now telling me absolutely nothing at all? <laughs> Why are you not making me feel welcome? Why are you not talking about the work opportunity? Why are you, are you pretending that this is not the case? And and he he just said to me, well, the reality is, Daryl, <laughs> he said, we're in Hertfordshire. That's where the job, the job was in Stevenage. And he said, uh, he says, you're London-based. Like the commute, just think about this commute, Daryl. It's not, do you really think you want to be commuting all this way? And I was like, well, I was going to be commuting all this way when I spoke to you this morning. <laughs> you know, like, like, like really? I, I, had, I was traveling the same distance when you called me, when we spoke this morning on the phone, as I would be if I continued to go to work. Literally trying to talk you out of the job. Yeah, just literally trying to talk me out of the job. And I, 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 you know, of course, I didn't want to work there anyway. After after all of that experience, yeah. why would you? I, was like, yeah. I, I don't, you know, I don't want really to work here anyway. And my partner was in the car waiting for me. I, I remember she she dropped me off, and 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 I said, I'll just just wait a second. I'll let you know when you can you can scoot off. And uh, and uh, yeah, she was like fuming. I want to get in there, and you know, and I was like, no, there's not. Yeah. It's not going to make yeah. any, it's not going to make a difference. And unfortunately, and that. Today, Daryl. I mean, you know, are you? Do we? Because I think people think, oh, that that was that that was in the eighties and the nineties. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you know, it doesn't exist anymore. But actually, the reality is, it, it it feels like in some ways it's getting it's getting worse. Or there's a realization, and I've been hearing people say lately, you know, look, I didn't realize I did this test, and actually, it appears that I've got some prejudice I didn't even know of. But these are people yes. that are classic. But I've got black friends, you know, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm not a, you know, but clearly at some kind of unconscious level, there's still that, whether they would regard yeah. them as a prejudice that exists. Yes. Yeah, for, for sure. And I mean, I mean, prejudice ex exists. I mean, it's part of, it's part of human nature. I think the difference, the difference between prejudice, um, you know, is, the difference between prejudice and systemic and institutionalized racism is the fact that this is a 
several hundred year old problem mm -hmm. that was that was created to be able to justify the transatlantic slave trade mm -hmm. to justify subjecting other human beings to a certain form of treatment so so one of the things that i speak about and I'm, a, I'm well aware of the history is if you go back to ancient greek texts if you go back to roman texts if you if you go back to that time humans weren't judged on the color of their skin there was no kind of grade of of superiority um, based on the color of your skin based on on class yes based on we us conquering you yes slavery existed yes but slavery tended to be short term you could buy your freedom you could you would still be recognized as a member of the household it was a completely different condition um may have been the fact that again you were a captive of of war so you became a slave but the transatlantic slave trade was the first time that humans were kind of bought and sold like cattle were trans transferred from their their home in africa across the atlantic mm -hmm. to to the americas and the and the caribbean and europe and europeans basically um became extremely wealthy at that time and and what many people don't realize is, is before that point before the 13th 14th century the wealthiest parts of the world were wasn't europe you know it wasn't it wasn't western western europe the riches were seen elsewhere you know the spices of india the gold and the precious metals that that existed in in, in africa they're kind of exotic oriental that's yeah. where that's where tea was like currency wasn't it i mean you know tea and i mean all those sort of yeah. things that was tea like, you know and and of course, yeah yeah of course you know, sugar cotton uh, and, you yeah. know it became became was Come traded on. as part of as part of the slave slave trade but yeah so the, so 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 people are almost unaware of that history as well the history before mm. dominance and 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 of slavery being abolished within within Europe so for example the portuguese who were one of the, the sort of initiated much of the transatlantic slave trade they the roman catholic church had basically abolished slavery of european citizens so because it was it was non-christian non-christian thing to do so they basically gave a free pass they could say yeah if you go to other lands and you capture non-christians that's that's okay mm. uh, and that's that's actually possible so the pope at the time said yes that's okay and then, then it was royal assent yes you can you can do this so rather than just going to west africa to trade which is what they were doing previously the trade switched to actually can we can we embark on slaves can we take slaves as well that's what we that's what we'll do and that just that just flourished the spanish the british the french all took part in this and i know again it's four five hundred years ago what the hell is that going to do now the point is a lot of what was put in place then to justify how can i as a human being go to a new the new world and kill the natives how, how can i how can i justify killing the indigenous people and just, just to say just so that we can be here we don't want to we actually don't want to fight them you know we don't want to conquer them by having a fight as we would have done in the past we actually just want to go and exterminate as many of them as possible and we'll bring smallpox over as well what a what a side effect so that they weren't aware of that the Europeans brought smallpox a lot of the natives were killed because of that 
um, and as well as being pretty much genocide occurring. And then it's like, oh, now we don't have any labor. Oh my goodness, who's gonna do all the work for us? Eureka, we'll get, we'll get the Africans. They can do it. We'll take them from their lands. We'll strip them of whatever, they, whatever they're worth, their humanity. And again, we can justify, we can justify doing this. And the only way you can justify doing this is by saying that these people are not human. The color of your skin signifies your, the pecking order of how human you are. And, and denotes superiority and inferiority. And, and that so has think, existed. You know? Do you think there's a thread then that goes through, I mean, obviously we talk about America a lot, where there, there mm. clearly is. I mean, I don't want to say that UK is, you know, the best place in the world for it, mm. but there clearly seems to be an issue in America. Do you, do you, are you saying that there's a thread, you know, sort of an inherited mindset that is, is still existing through, family you know or you know the, the structure um, yeah i mean i mean so so most of the most of the institutions um so merchant banks for example you know that what what made us rich one of the richest countries in the world in in the victorian era was merchant banking merchant banking was was built on on slavery on the slave on the slave trade i mean this is that's the reality uh, uh, um, so most of our institutions, Barclays, you know, Lloyd's of London, huge, there's huge institutions that are part of the fabric of Britain. They were all built on, on, on the slave trade. Most of the wealthiest families in terms of old money for, for scores of generations were built on the, on the slave trade. When slavery was abolished, the, the slaves didn't receive any compensation. The slave owners did. Most of the slave owners um, in Britain were based here. So that's one of the differences between, between America and here. Most of the slave traders in America were in America with their, with their slaves. Um, in Britain, it was kind of outsourced. It was like, we're not directly involved. We're indirectly involved with the slave trade. We have overseers and plantation owners over there, but here we can reap the rewards. So Britain didn't finish, off, didn't finish paying off the debts of compensation to slave owners until 2015. Yeah, I heard that the other day. Yeah, 2015. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, imagine. So it was something mm. like I think 30 or 40% of GDP was spent bailing out slave traders. Mm. Slaves didn't get a penny uh, in, 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 in Britain. And in terms of differences between, say, Britain and America, I think the main differences between Britain and America is, um, you know, America, like most things, they tend to be more uh, being overt, free, freedom of speech. That te it, things tend to be out there a little bit more. So, mm -hmm. so they made active decisions in law, which would mean, you know, segregation was part of the law. Jim Crow was part of the law. Here in the UK, we had a color bar. But it wasn't in law. It wasn't enshrined in law. It was just part of the fabric of life. So my grandparents could go to rent a place and were told, sorry, no blacks, no blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Those are the signs that were that were seen. That wasn't in law. In America, it was law. <laughs> you know, Segregation right. meant that these things mm. could happen. You cannot sit on the bus next to me. You can't you can't go to the same restaurant and sit at the same counter. 
That was actually in law in the US. So they had segregation. <clears throat> South Africa had apartheid. You know, uh, Nazi Germany had Nazi Germany had eugenics, and and which not just affected blacks, but also the the, the Jews and and other and the people of other heritage. So so we can't say it stopped at the end of the slave trade, the abolition of the slave trade. It continued. Colonization <clears throat> continued. The Brits abolished, were the first European nation to abolish the slave trade, right? They actually, incredibly, they actually fought other European nations who were still continuing the transatlantic slave trade. So, you know, it's like a tick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Britain are wonderful. Not only were we the first to abolish it, but we also, we also like um, attacked ships from other European nations that were continuing the slave trade. What I don't tend to mention is those ships were kind of plundered for the treasures. So, so, right. so they were they were kind of saying, "Don't you're not allowed to do this, other European nations." But we, because we are, we want to police this, but also we want to be controlling the seas. That's basically why we're doing this, not because okay. we're there's an agenda. Slavery. There's an agenda, yes. Because the slave agenda. trade can the slavery continued in the Caribbean, for example. <clears throat> the slave trade stopped, but the but the continuation of slavery continued within the British Empire for quite some time. So even even those discussions of re, re, rewriting history to to make history look a little bit more sanitized and better, those I think that's what you know. It's a generalization, but the British do that extremely extremely well. You know, mm -hmm. we don't want to really acknowledge the sins of our of our past, of the British Empire, of all of the slaughters, of wiping out many of the indigenous people in Australia and New Zealand. You know, and let's not talk about that. You know, that they they were formed two hundred years ago. You know, that's 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 what we say. Yeah, Australia began yeah. two hundred and so years ago. That's mm -hmm. it. Actually, no, 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 no. It was there for, for <laughs> tens of thousands of years at least, maybe min, you know, millions of years in reality. But you know, it's been there a long time. People lived there for tens of thousands of years before, before Cook. Well, let, you know, Captain Cook let's up. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you, yeah. I heard the, other, the expression the other day as well. You know, you don't you don't find a country, you know, like talk about Christopher, you know, you know, um, Columbus, you know, yes. finding America. You know, you can't find a country that they already had people living there. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's like, ex you, exactly. I mean, that's brilliant. Exactly. <laughs> I heard that. Well, so that's just such a brilliant example. Of what, yeah. what place? You know. Yeah, uh, we he was going the wrong, you know. And yeah. as you know, he was—he wasn't—he wasn't even planning to find it. He was supposed to be going east, trying yeah. to go another yeah. way to get to the east. And he was like, "Oh," and, and that's why they call the West Indies. Yeah, that's why yeah. indigenous indigenous Americans uh, were called Indians. That was why yeah. they were called American yeah. Indians because Columbus uh, believed they were. Yeah. He was in India, so yeah. it, all of that is. It's part of it. But anyway, let's quickly just, just go to yeah. the present day, right? To the yeah. present day. So that, again, segregation was in the 60s. You know, apartheid ended in the 90s. Why are we still going on? A, why are we still going in and about this? You know, the McPherson report talking about institutionalized racism, you know, that, that, was, in the, that was in the 90s. You know, like, we've moved on. So yes, mm -hmm. I would rather live in Britain in 2020 than back in the 70s or 80s or 90s there is a lot more tolerance for sure that can't deny that um it is easier for someone like myself to progress in many ways than before no doubt about it at all um i can't say every person i meet every white person i meet is racist no i can't i can't say that it'd be ludicrous 
And I certainly, and I certainly know if I went back 50 years, there'd be far more overt displays of racism. The, the, the National Front marched, marched in, you know, in front of my house when I was a kid. You know, we had leaflets pop through the door. That doesn't happen to me now. So there's, there's significant, significant progress. What hasn't changed so much is the systemic racism, is the bias, are the things that mean I am likely to get stopped when I'm driving my car. Mm-hmm. I am get, likely to be questioned walking down the street. You know, I remember once a few years ago, I was, I was running, sprinting down the street because I, I don't like jogging, as you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I like sprinting. <clears throat> so I was sprinting. And I remember, you know, this police car drove past me, you know, <clears throat> reversed, seeing me sprinting. And, and they were like, ran out the window, like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm, I'm sprinting. Why are you sprinting? Oh, because I'm, you know, I'm training. And then, you know, I said, basically told them exercising. And then they jumped out, they jumped out of the car, pushed me up against the wall. You know, stop, are you being cheeky? You know, I'm like, no, that's, just, that's, a, that's exactly what I'm, this is what, this is what I'm doing. And, and of course, all that time I'm thinking to myself, what do I say? How do I say it? I haven't done anything wrong. So I'm like, why are you doing this? Why are you being aggressive? I mm-hmm. answered you without any, any sarcasm. I, told, I just told you exactly how, how it was. And it was a frightening experience. And I remember thinking, pe- people watching me thinking, you know, people think I've done something wrong when I, when I haven't. I'm just, I can't even run. Does that mean I can't sprint now? I have to decide, no, sprinting is out of bounds because I may get stopped by the, by the police. So these sort of incidents have happened to me so many times. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and these microaggressions and these conversations that you have where you go, I know you don't meet, I know you have good intentions, but, but, but you're, not, you're, not helping, you're not helping matters. Uh, well, as well, I mean, it's a reversal of what you mentioned earlier, where you got into the interview, and we're hearing, you know, where candidates are, are getting not making a shortlist because of their name, you know, because oh, they yes. sound oh. too, too black or too African, yeah, exactly. or, despite yeah. the fact they've absolutely got the talent, the skill to do the job. I mean, that yeah, crazy. there's lots of research. I mean, there's there is lots of research in the social sciences of whereby yeah. they test this. They basically have identical CVs, mm. and and they send them in. And then, you know, and they, they basically test what happens, you know, do they get past the, the CV filtering stage? Do they get to interview stage? You know, what happens? And, and they change names. So it's exactly the same CV. They change the name to make it sound, you know, as if they're not from another country. And incredibly, you know, 50% of CVs would be rejected just like that, you know, and then another great big percentage won't get to interview stage, you know, so they'll pass the, oh, we can prove that we did, we did select some of the CVs from those communities, but, we, but they won't be interviewed, or you know. So, so all of that, all of that happens, and and this is not about an individual's, um, an individual's actions. This is about the fabric, the DNA of our history that affects us today. It affects me. It affects it affects you, and and so the, even as I got really successful in my first car, battered Rover two hundred just about got onto the road. It was just about past this MOT, right? I got stopped driving that car. You know, and you think to yourself, well, maybe it's because the car is just about roadworthy. That's obviously why, you know, that's why I'm being stopped. And every single car I got after that, I still got stopped. You know, like, and I'm like, okay, things are getting better. 
Then I remember when I drove, I got an Aston Martin and I was like, now it's going to be different. You know, now I'm wearing a suit. Now people can see, they surely they can see I'm respectable, whatever that's supposed to mean. I got stopped. And the reasons, of course, they couldn't say things like, oh, yeah, your, your rear light wasn't working or, you know, the tread, the tread doesn't look too good. There's a bit of rust. You know, they couldn't say that then. So they'd say things like, yeah, you're driving too slowly. Like, what? Well, I'm, I'm doing 25 in a 30 mile an hour. <laughs> so I'm like, 30 mile an hour zone and that's too slow. Yeah, it's too slow. Or, you know, you're driving in the, you know, you're dri why are you driving in this neighborhood? You know, because I, 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 I live here. You know, it's not, not good enough. What, you know, how am I supposed to get home? I mean, it's some, I mean, I could almost write, it could almost be like a comedy sketch, actually. It's not very funny, it's but. It's craziness. I mean, but, do, you, yeah. do you think we are heading in the right direction? I mean, it, in a way, I think about 700 years and I think, well, that's a mm -hmm. click of the fingers in, you know, our overall evolution. And the fact that 700 years ago during, like you said, Roman times, Greek times, that it wasn't this kind of uh, prejudice or racism that exists. Everyone sort of coming yeah. together. With that in mind, you know, do you have hope? You know, what's you know, for the future? Do you see change happening? Um, you know, what? Yeah. What, what do I'm you pretty, think? I'm pretty, pe well, I'm optimistic because I feel on this occasion, this is the first time that I've witnessed more uncomfortable conversations. A bit like our health and well-being chat earlier mm. of embracing discomfort, of embracing the challenge of taking the difficult path. There's more of that happening now. So, so yeah, um, well, we're having a conversation now live on LinkedIn. It's going to be on iTunes. Yeah. It's on Facebook. We're having the conversation, and that yeah, we're having the conversation, and we probably wouldn't have had that. Yeah, we probably wouldn't have had that a year ago. Say, so I think right. I think certainly there are more conversations. I think those who will always continue to feel the way they do will probably continue to feel that way. Um, those who have always wanted to champion this have got even more reason to feel to feel as if it's worthwhile doing. And those who are mm -hmm. on the fence, hopefully there are some on the fence who like are fed up of getting mm -hmm. splinters and and decide mm -hmm. to to follow what's just right for humanity. And and I feel, yeah. you know, as a man, for example, I recognize male privilege. I recognize advantages that I mm -hmm. have being male. I, mm -hmm. I know I can walk out of a nightclub at two in the morning, say, if I was to do that now at my age. But if I was to do that, I know it, there's a there's small likelihood that I'm going to be attacked because of what I'm wearing, you know, or raped right. or, you know, I, I know that. I know that mm -hmm. the glass ceiling um, is not going to exist just based on male, female, not, not anything else. But, mm -hmm. but I know equal pay. You know, I know women are like to be paid less than me doing exactly the same, exactly the same work. I know these things exist. And, and I'm hopeful that people in general recognize where these disparities exist elsewhere based on, on heritage, heritage. I think what I'm hearing you know? is, you know, for the first time ever, is that actually it, it, it's, and I think I'm saying the right thing here, but it, it, it's white people need to step up, actually, because, you know, we can talk about the problem yes. and, and I can feel it and I can experience it and I can empathize and I can, be upset about it you know yeah. I, I come from royal tunbridge world you know but it just yeah. so happened that the, my best friend mum was jamaican so mixed race family but then our friends mm. moved in from tanzania and you know we all hung out together and and i can talk about how i what i experienced and i can feel it but the fact is 
you walk out the door a black man and I walk out the door a white person. And I don't have to experience that. And I think the more white people kind of accept that white privilege and, and, mm. and actually uh, that shouldn't exist in, in some way. Yes. Um, I think we have to have that, that, that conversation. And, and, I, and I think for the first time in my life, um, mm. I, I'm seeing that differently. I was one of those people that said all lives matter, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, I, but I'm uh, serious. You know, I, can, I, can, I just see, that I see it differently. You know, and I, I've been exposed yeah. to it. Maybe I just I was exposed to it more than other people. You know, I've mm. taken a beating for hanging around with black people. I've, I remember being mm. in America. This was 93. So I was mm. 18. It was my first street hockey tournament in America. And I, I, I was out there sitting at a bar. We went to Miami. Mm. And this guy says, you're brave. And I remember thinking, oh, he's, he knows I'm probably underage. And I'm, uh, you know, not of drinking <laughs> age because I was having a beer. Mm. He said, you're brave. You're brave. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just, you know, it's like those guys are hanging around because the team I was playing on in those days, yeah. street hockey in London was a, was a black. Everyone, majority of people yeah. played were black. Yes. And the London yeah. All-Stars. You know, there was two of us were white on the team, but I did, it didn't even cross my mind that he was, you know, so that kind of yeah, idea yeah, that yeah. I'd sit at a bar with black people, wow. you yeah, know, yeah. Um, and be, and that was a brave thing to do. You know, it's like, wow, this is a different, this is a whole different ball game. Yeah. So I do think, you know, 20 years on, 25 years on, there's, there's a shift. I do have hope. I do have hope that, that if more people take more, white, white people take more responsibility, I think, that's where the significant change can take place. Yeah, I think I think yes, it, it, it's the only way that we're going to, you know, um, the majority, the majority of people in, in, in the Western world um, have to make the decision to to create mm -hmm. that shift. That's basically what, that's basically what it is. The minorities, the minorities can't, you know, just like the patriarchy has to recognize the fact of, of that privilege and ensure that women have an equal footing as men, just, just as, you know, the system and just the systemic institutionalized aspects of society also needs to recognize these disparities and go, you know, enough's enough's enough. Mm -hmm. So it's not just, it's not just enough talking about it. It isn't enough. It isn't just enough to empathize. It's, it's embracing difficulty. You know, like if, mm -hmm. if I'm, if I'm, if I was talking to other men with other men and they said some really heinous sexist stuff, you know, misogynistic stuff, there's a point where you've got to go, actually guys, nah, this isn't acceptable. You know, mm -hmm. might, even I might've said some, you know, thought about saying something, you know, whatever, or laughing and joking, but actually, no, 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 nothing funny about this. I'm going to call you guys out. That's what, that's what people have to do rather than yeah, going, yeah. you know what? I just don't want to, I just don't want to make it, make a big deal out yeah, of this. Yeah. We have to call it out. Yeah, that, even that banter, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's just a bit and of banter. Jaffa and Sooty still today. And it's like saying, you know what? That, that, can we stop this now? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. someone makes a comment, you know, and it's, it's, oh, it's just banter. No, it's not banter. That's where we've got to draw the line, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not yeah. acceptable. Yeah. And, and um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I know we weren't necessarily going to be Going to be speaking about this, especially in, at this sort of length, but but it's it's a real it's a real issue, mm -hmm. uh, and I think in terms of just to finish the kind of all lives matter point, yeah, all lives do mm -hmm. matter, but um, they all have to matter for one. Yeah. That's what it means. All of them have to matter, and I think also 
there are certain focal points that we have to we have to talk about. You know, if I had testicular cancer and we were talking about this, I wouldn't expect mm-hmm. you to say, but Daryl, all cancers matter. Right? Right. What what are you talking about? Of course they all matter, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about yeah. testicular cancer. We're talking about the things that need to yeah. change yeah. to help prevent, treat, discuss testicular cancer, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. and I, I wouldn't want a woman to say, well, Darren, why aren't you speaking about breast cancer? That's awfully sexist of you, only talking about testicular cancer. Well, yeah, because men get testicular cancer and this is what we're talking about. And there's nothing, this is not being exclusive. This is just saying, let's focus on this point. And that's what mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter means. It's like, we, are, we do have issues. Let's focus on some of these issues mm-hmm. that all of us can help resolve, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We, we're not being um, we're not being exclusive. We're not saying no one else can no one else needs to help. We, we, you know, let's keep this this nucleus. No, it's like no, no, no. This is what's happening. Everyone, mm-hmm. all humanity needs to be needs to be uh, involved in this. So, yeah, uh, it, it's um, yeah. it's a difficult conversation. But like we said at the beginning, and this is I think the, this is the theme and the thread of this entire live is mm-hmm. sometimes you've got to tread the difficult path. Sometimes you've got to yeah. get off the fence, and hopefully steer to the right side more helpful and and racism systemic racism is also a health and well-being issue many people have mental health issues because of it many people have traumas mm-hmm. i know i have deep embedded traumas from all of the experiences that i had of having mm-hmm. to second guess situations was it because i just wasn't good enough mm-hmm. was it because that person was prejudiced was it because you know there was rape there was overt racism Covert, but you know, I have to be thinking all of those things. I was speaking to a friend of mine. The last incident that happened to me, actually, <laughs> was about a week ago, right? Just after I'd given a talk on a podcast just about this subject. And I remember I'd, I'd been to a big Sainsbury superstore. Probably shouldn't mention their name, but anyway, I, that, that's where it happened. I was in this big Sainsbury superstore, bought lots of shopping, had a Sainsbury's bag. Went to MS, bought another lot of shopping. And then I was walking past a Sainsbury's local and I was like, I need to get a few more things. So I, I walked past a security guard and I know I'm already conditioned to know I will make sure I will let the security guard know I have these bags with me that I, I you know, bags full, Sainsbury's, right? So I walk in, I, you know, I'm like, yeah, here you go, security guard, look. I walk in. I'm in, the, I'm in the store for about two minutes. I picked up four or five cans of sardines. That's what I did, right? Went to the till. The, the guy at the till goes, oh, um, are you going to pay for that bag? You know, the 10 pence or whatever you need to pay for the bag. And I says, oh, no, I don't need to pay for it. I already paid for it at the big Sainsbury's. It's about a mile and a half away. I said, I've already paid, for, I've already paid for the bag already. So he scans another sardine, can of sardines, and he goes, are you sure you're not going to pay for that <laughs> that plastic bag? And I'm like, you know, obviously he didn't hear me. I said, that's what I said to myself. He obviously didn't hear me. So I said, oh, no, I've already, already paid for it when I was in the big Sainsbury's. So he's scanning again, and then he goes, actually, can you show me the receipt for the things you have in that bag? And I'm like, sure. And the first thing I did was like, sure, I haven't done anything wrong. Why shouldn't I show him my receipt? 
Then I said to myself, whoa, 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 whoa. Actually, why are you asking me for my receipt? Actually, why? What are you accusing me of exactly? And he's like, oh, no, I'm just asking, you know, I'm just asking what you have in your bag. And then I remember taking, I was like, do you want to ask me what I got from M&S as well? So I was like, I took all these food. I was like, you don't sell this here, do you? And I remember taking things out of the Sainsbury's bag that, that weren't in that store. And I was like, you don't sell this here. So are you asking me for a receipt for what I bought in the big store? Or you're asking me for things that you feel you feel I've stolen from here? You know, so we had this, we had this conversation. Yeah. And he said, oh, you know, so, so. But basically, it's easier you, stealing, right? Yeah, so you're guilty before, before proven yeah. innocent, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, if anyone knows what the procedure is, right, even if I walked into Sainsbury's, open bag, and literally scooped things off the shelf into my bag and walked around the store, kept on doing this, and like, hey, look, staff, I'm taking stuff and popping it in my bag, and look, I'm popping it into my pocket. Even if I did that, that is not you cannot accuse somebody of stealing at that point. If I then go to the till, take those things out of the bag and pay for them, take the things out of my pocket and pay for them, I haven't stolen anything. I leave the store, I've paid for what I've bought. So it's only if I left the store, <laughs> you know, and, and they, they assume that I've stolen, that's the point, that's the time mm -hmm. that you can, that you approach someone. So even anyone knows anything about retail knows that that's not the right protocol. That's not the right procedure. It was down to one reason. And you know what else is, which is really ironic? The amount of people that were also in the queue that would have done the same thing or people in yeah. front of me that had bags of shopping. And I was like, why didn't you ask, why didn't you ask them the same question? And when I complained to the manager, the manager did everything they could to act as if that was normal protocol, normal procedure. And I, and I decided to, to escalate it. Uh, um, and that's another story. We're going forever. But, but this is, you know, I... I it's the reality. It's basically what you're saying. That's the, that's the reality, yeah, isn't it? It's yeah, a reality. Yeah. And I live in a beautiful, nice neighborhood, Chiswick, you know, in, in, in London. I, I, mm -hmm. They see me all of the time. I'm like, oh, it, it's infuriating. But it happens. Yeah. It happens. It happens. Mm -hmm. And, and something, yeah. needs to, something needs to change. Um, yeah. yeah, so... Oh, well, yeah, it's, again, it's that situation, isn't it? That, that person's got to take a, stop, a step back, you know, and I believe in change. You know, I do, you know, I'm in the work of change, but I've seen mm -hmm. how people have changed. Um, you know, growing up playing street hockey and, and seeing how communities have come together and, you know, and then how it was so diverse growing up, you know. So mm -hmm. I, I just think people, for whatever reason, it's that, that threat state that kicks in, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and, and until people get a chance to kind of just process it and go, actually, you're not a threat to me. You know, you're yes. not, but it, there, there seem, there just seems to be that kind of fight flight response, which is probably inherited from somewhere, some level of indoctrination, whatever it is. Mm. But I, I have hope and, and I, yeah. and I hope that we can make some real change happen. I hope so too. And, and, you know, we have to just realize it's, it's not a, it's a learned and conditioned behavior. Yeah. You know, school, you know, young children, don't have this fight or flight response. They don't. They don't see people of, of heritage and go, oh my goodness, that's, that's another heritage. No, they just mm. see human beings is what they, yep. is what they see. And, and they're taught, the system teaches them, the absence of knowledge of, of, of self teaches them this. And, and once we recognize, you know, I mean, I, there's, a, there's a, a program um, 
discussing the history of, of Africans in Britain. And for many people who'd, who'd watch this documentary, they wouldn't recognize, they, they would feel, you know, people, prior to seeing this, they would assume that the Windrush, the docking at Tilbury was when, you know, the West Indians, the, 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 the Afro-Caribbeans came to the UK, 1948, this influx, oh my gosh, immigration. But mm -hmm. there are people within my family who fought in the First and Second World War for, for, for the British Empire, for the Commonwealth. So even within the 20th century, there are people of, of my heritage in this country fighting, fighting in the First and Second World War, for one. But if you, if you watch this program, you'll see there were people at the time of the Tudors going all the way back to the first, second century AD. So, so, mm -hmm. so like, the, you know, basically the Romans, when the Romans were here, were in, the, in, in Britain, they had Africans who were part of, of, of settlements here in here in the uk so mm -hmm. there's a significant history of communities and people from all over the world living together coexisting and and there were roman emperors of, of african heritage even hadrian's wall for example that separates england and scotland people mm -hmm. aren't aware that it was someone of african descent that was responsible for building that wall i mean even 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 that mm -hmm. uh bit of information, which I wasn't told at school. We weren't taught that. No. This person's yeah. buried in York. We weren't taught that. So yes, yeah, so, so there's, there is so yeah. much ri richness in, um, in exploring the realities of history and not mm. just painting one side of it. Because Absolutely. if I was aware of that when I was a kid, I certainly would have felt better about myself. Yeah. I, should, yeah. I certainly would have felt as if I was a part more of a part and parcel of the fabric of, of British life going back mm -hmm. for, for a very long period of time. But yeah, you know, so, so. We need those um, heroes. Yeah. It reminds me of the saying, none of my heroes appear on those stands. Yes. Yeah, so public, public enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck D. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 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 All right. The power up. Darryl, we could, we could keep talking, man. <laughs> I, 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 it's always a pleasure to be um, chatting to you. Um, there's so much to take from that. It's kind of a, a talk of two halves there. And, yes. but I, I think it was a, a really, you know, you, you brought some really interesting points to it and just your own experiences and the fact that, you know, just a week ago, you, you know, that's still happening. And so thank you so much for your time, you know, talking us wow. through play. I'm going to go out and play today. I've, I'm great. Gonna choose, uh, I'm a big fan of the strength workout <laughs> in this one. So I'm going to do that and, uh, oh, nice. play later with the kids. Yeah. And um, really interesting points. I'm glad we. I'm glad we had the conversation. No, me too. It's been, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much, and I, I look forward to, to catching up again in, at some point in future in person. Absolutely, uh, make that happen. The pandemic. Yeah. 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 For sure. Thank you, Daryl. All the best. Take care. Cheers. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Scale Without Burnout podcast. For more free resources and content on how to grow and lead your business and become the best version of yourself, head over to andrewsillito.com.